Before we uh, celebrate the baptism service, I just have a short message for us, uh, shorter than normal. Um, Well, this time last year, we were doing a Palm Sunday parade around town, beeping the horns and, you know, but this was empty, but we met out in the parking lot, drove around. How many participated in that last year? Let's do it again for the sermon. Let's go right now. That's pretty fun. Well, last year, I mean, I grew up in a town in Jamestown, New York, and as you know, and uh, every year we didn't have a May Day parade, but we had a Memorial Day parade. And so every Memorial Day, all the students would march, every, you know, all the countywide. And, uh, but back in my day, there were World War I vets that marched in it, in their uniforms, and World War II vets, and, and Vietnam vets, and Korean War vets. And, and any time the vets uh, would march through, the crowds along the street would stand and clap, as we do here. And we should. We should honor our, our vets. Um, well, in Jesus' day... Jesus marched into Jerusalem, and it was sort of like a mini parade because people heard about him coming into Jerusalem, and they gathered together. And we read in John chapter 12 what we just uh, sang about. Great crowd gathered for the festival, and they heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches, and they went out and waved them, and, and they met him shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it was written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. And the crowd shouted, Hosanna, which means, Save us, Jesus. They found palm branches and began to wave them and maybe lay them on the street before him. And these palm branches represented patriotism and nationalism for Israel. It'd be sort of like waving American flags as our military marches by and giving them a standing ovation. Instead of Make America Great hats, again, M-A-G-A, they would have been wearing the M-I-G-A, Make Israel Great Again. Uh, Save us, Lord, from the Roman oppression, they would have been shouting. Jesus, restore us, Hosanna. Restore us like the independence that we used to have under King David. Make Israel great again, Jesus. In verse 17, now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this great sign, went out to meet him. They're saying, man, if this guy is able to raise a dead man to life, then he's certainly capable of raising up an army to destroy Rome. The Messiah has arrived. Have you heard? In great anticipation filled the air. Finally, Israel will be restored to power and honor. Hosanna, save us. Blessed be the name who come, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So the word spread quickly about this Messiah, about his miraculous powers. Some were excited, while others were not. In verse 19, we read, so the Pharisees, who would have been the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees said to one another, see, This is getting us nowhere. They're going crazy with this Jesus character. Look how the whole world has gone after him. we got to put a stop to this. But of the many who were excited, not just the Jews, there were some Greeks, some Gentiles who converted to Jerusalem who came to uh, celebrate in the festival. After all, there was a court of Gentiles in the Jerusalem uh, temple courts. 
And so they too wanted to meet this, this guy. And so in verse 20 we read, Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was one of the disciples of Jesus, who was from Bethesda. He had a Greek name, by the way, and that's probably why they went to Philip. And they came with this request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. And Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Well, why would the Gentiles want to come to the Jerusalem Passover festival? Well, like anyone else, they wanted to seek Jesus. They wanted to seek God, worship him. Uh, Jesus would never meet up with the Greeks, though, before his crucifixion and resurrection. Instead, Jesus offered his disciples this confusing response, confusing to them and also to us as we read it. I would have said, okay, hey, where are those guys? I'll meet with them. Let's put on the coffee. But Jesus replied in verse 23, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And so Philip and Andrew would have said, okay, that sounds good, Jesus. Glorify yourself. Unleash your mighty powers and let's kick some Roman behind. Let's get this show on the road. And Jesus said, no, guys, that that is not my way. And then he says in verse 24, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. In other words, he said, I will be glorified, but not in the way that you are expecting today on this Palm Sunday celebration. As you worship me and clap for me, that's not going to be the way to victory. Instead, I will be glorified by going through suffering and death. Guys, if we were to pursue victory the way you would like it, uh, then what would happen, we, we could have success in, right now. And I could become the king of Jerusalem and we could, by miraculous powers, overthrow Rome. And then we would be in glory and we'd have comfort, and we'd have prosperity, and we'd have greatness, like in King David's day. But then, when your lives would end, then, and when my life would end, then I would return to my Father in heaven And I'd be the only one. I'd be going alone because I alone am sinless and righteous. While the rest of you will go to a a Christless eternity, separated from God. And that doesn't look very much like victory to me. You see, my salvation is much greater than the restoration of the earthly kingdom of Israel. So Jesus never lifted a a finger against Rome. He came on a donkey and not on a military horse, which would, you know, signify strength and power. He came on a gentle and humble donkey, indicating a humility and a gentleness about him. In fact, in five short days, these same people who are yelling and screaming, Hosanna, blessed is he, they were saying, crucify him, crucify him, because he failed them. He didn't take the way of power and might and miracles. Rather, he took the way of suffering. And he was a great disappointment to the expectations of the people. In verse 31, we read of his different way. He said, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And he said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. 
This lifted up has two meanings. It means he's lifted up on the cross for the world to behold, but also after his resurrection, he'd be lifted up to glory to, be the, to reign over his kingdom and over the world. Now, this way of suffering is not for Jesus. This is what we're called to as well as his followers. We're called to the narrow road, the difficult road. You see, the wide road is easy and it's comfortable and it's popular, but the narrow road is difficult and few are on this road. It's the way of suffering. He said, anyone who loves his life will lose it, but anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. And so what does this difficult way of Jesus look like? It looks like those who are willing to die, and then they will bear much fruit, first of all. Again, unless the seed dies and is buried, it it will remain only a single seed, but if it dies, it will produce a lot of fruit. And we know that, of course, that's what Jesus went to the cross for, so that through his death and resurrection, the world could be have opportunity to come to know him, as evidenced 2,000 years later by us sitting here on Palm Sunday. Well, this, of course, speaks of Jesus, but it's, it means something to us as well. It means, are we willing to die as well? Well, does that mean we have to die a martyr's life, death in order to bear fruit? For some people, yes, but for others, it's just a die to self. A die to self-righteousness, a die to self-government, if you will. Put yourself on the throne to run your own life the way you want to run it, the way you plan for it. It's a death to our rights. It's a death to our preferences. It's a, it means a lot of that. Wesleyan Methodist missionary James Culvert in the 1800s here in the, you're, you're right, he committed his life to reaching indigenous peoples in the Fiji Islands. And it was widely reported that on his initial voyage to meet these Fiji people for the first time, uh, the captain of the ship warned him to turn back. He said, you will certainly lose your life and the lives of those with you if, you're, uh, if you go among those savages. And Calvert replied, well, we died before we even got here. His life wasn't his own. And that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and through me. Or Dietrich Bonhoeffer put put it this way, World War II, he lived in those times. He said, when Jesus Christ comes or calls a man, he bids him to come and die. What does it mean to die? In the parallel account, Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their crosses daily and follow me. That's what it means to die. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. In other words, place others before yourself. Your preferences, your rights, your needs, let the other person have those. Now, we fail in this all the time, and that's why we have confession and repentance. You know, we fall short in this all the time. We lose our tempers, we, we get irritated with the family members, but that's why it says die to yourself daily. And because of God, Jesus' mercy and grace, we get to start over again every day. 
Taking up your cross and dying to your self-governed life, the me-first attitude, uh, it's putting Jesus first, others second, and then yourself third. And that will lead to a life of joy. Even through suffering, you can have this inner joy. And you don't have to search for people to love and put, up, put first. You just love the people you trip over every day, my dad used to say all the time. So the Jesus way is to die to self. And then secondly, Jesus way is to love. If you love your life, you'll lose it. But if you hate your life, you'll keep it. This is kind of saying it in the same way, or in a different way, same thing. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. Anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This isn't talking about self-hatred. It's talking about loving your life in this world. You know, we have to hate our preferences, our ambitions, our, our desires. The things of this world, by comparison, our love for Jesus makes everything else look like hatred. Kevin and Ryan, ages five and three, were sitting at the breakfast table one Saturday morning and mom was making pancakes and they're both hungry and they're both irritable. And so they were arguing as to who would get the first pancake. And so mom said, this is a perfect teaching moment. She said to the boys, if Jesus were sitting here, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I will wait. To which Kevin replied to his younger brother, okay, Ryan, you be Jesus. That's not putting others before yourself. 25 says, hate their life in this world, you'll keep it. Um, Again, putting others before yourself. And we will keep it in that there'll be great joy for those who live an other-centered life for Christ. Jesus said, if you give, it'll be given back to you. As indicative by the 60 people who served for Brush Up Mac yesterday under uh, McPherson Housing Coalition's direction. And uh, it was such a joy to serve others who had need. And it even brought tears to people's eyes in these six or seven different homes we served together as countryside. Jim Elliott would say, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Got to give what we cannot keep, those earthly pursuits, in order to gain that which we cannot lose for eternity. And then finally, before the baptism service, uh, the Jesus life looks like being a servant. Being a servant. Those who serve Christ will be honored. Whoever serves me, Jesus said, must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. In other words, if you truly want to know if you're living for Christ as a servant, then consider how you respond when someone treats you like one. My Father will honor the one who serves me, the one who takes the road of suffering, of humility, of putting others first. And my Father will honor that person. When will they be honored? Sometimes during this lifetime, but I have a feeling more often in in the kingdom of God, in heaven, one day, will be honored. Someone from Northeast remembered a tree that was in their neighborhood every year, and it would blend in with all the other trees until fall came, and then this tree would explode with magnificent colors. And we know trees like that here in McPherson during the fall. We love driving around or down that street and say, there it is is again. Well, beautiful trees like this remind us that our future resurrection uh, will be us, who are pretty ordinary people. We just kind of blend in. 
during this lifetime. But as we're resurrected and when we're honored before our Savior, the glory and the beauty will explode and shine forth in differing degrees of glory as we love Christ on earth. 1 Corinthians says, The sun has one kind of glory, the moon and the stars have another kind, and even the stars differ from one another. So will be with the resurrection of the dead. I didn't have this until this morning, but yesterday I attended a funeral service of a friend um, at First Baptist Church. He is a tennis partner where uh, Roger Trimble and I play in in a group uh, every week. And for the past seven or eight years, he's been playing with us. A guy from Hutchinson who moved here named Carl Miller. And Carl got in a car accident, um, unexpected, in Derby, Kansas, a couple of weeks ago. And he hit another car, and he died somehow instantly. Carl Miller delivered papers uh, for, for his occupation. He'd travel a lot. And Eric Meyer from the Hillsborough Star Journal wrote this about Carl. And it came out on a big page. You probably never met him and wouldn't recognize his name, but he touched your life in the papers, both literally and figuratively, each week. Through good weather and bad, for almost as many years as we can recall, Carl Miller, age 65 of McPherson, tirelessly delivered the entire press run of each week's record Star Journal and Gazette Bulletin to our mailing crew in Marion from a central plant we use in Hutchinson. The few times when Carl wasn't the one handling deliveries, papers would be two, three, and sometimes four hours late, making it difficult for our hardworking mailroom crew to get them to the post office and stores on time. Barring circumstances beyond his control, Carl was never late. Every week, Carl's hands were the first to touch your paper reliably and lovingly. His name may be one you never knew, but you should have, as you would count yourself as blessed if you had, he'll be missed. And he'll be missed by us on the tennis courts, pickleball courts. He was, a, he was a ranked in the nation for t- table tennis as well, I understand. But Carl wasn't anything splashy to look at if you knew him. He wasn't. He was just a normal guy. He blended in. Not too many people know him even today, except for his tennis partners and such. And Baptist folks. But Jesus said, whatever you do in word and deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. What Carl did, he did with excellence. He was a believer in Christ and he believed in being an excellent witness for him in whatever God called him to do, even delivering papers. Jesus said in Matthew, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you that person will certainly not lose their reward. Jesus' way looks like this. It looks like dying to self, putting others before yourself, and you'll bear fruit. Secondly, it means loving or hating your life in this world, and then you'll find it for eternity by comparison. And then thirdly, it means being a servant. And when you're a servant of Christ, you'll be honored, not in this lifetime maybe, but before his throne one day. Well, Jesus' way was not accomplished by his, his death, I mean, by his, his might, I mean, and by military forces and by government forces and such. Rather, his way was the suffering servant. 
And that's what we're celebrating in a few moments with baptism. Those who have decided to follow Jesus said, my old person, I'm going to consider that dead, my sinful person, and I'm going to be raised to new life. I'm going to be buried in the water, and I'm going to be raised to new life, and I'm going to declare before the world and my friends and family that I am a follower of Jesus. The old life must become a seed and die if it's to produce fruit in this life. The old life must die and be buried if it's to raise to new life in Christ. And if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation.